Well done, Teresa. Just to let you know, as a pastor, I on more than one occasion forgot to take up the offering. <laughs> that is a cardinal sin, particularly in the United Methodist Church. Um, just a word for, before we begin. I can't tell you how blessed Kay and I feel to be a part of this congregation. And we've not only had one excellent senior pastor, we've had two. And on top of that, you've got Rebecca and she's dynamite. And then there are these folks. <laughs> I sing in the choir, usually. More often than not, I'm just standing back there blubbering because the music's so good. Will you pray with me? Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I really don't know if I'm the one to speak to you about gratitude and thanksgiving. I am always humbled by Paul's words in the epistles because I fall so far short of his admonitions. What is clear is that thanksgiving and gratitude are fundamental to faithful living. What is challenging are the absolutes. Rejoice, always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. I feel like the guy in the car warranty commercial you know, who had his engine and his transmission changed. Who does that? When things are going well, I tend to lapse into a self-satisfied stupor, as though my good fortune were all my doing. Or worse, to nitpick the little inconveniences rather than rejoice with the obvious joys. My mother used to say that if Bailey men couldn't complain, they'd explode. <laughs> Although she didn't use the word complain. <laughs> you, <clears throat> you ever ask someone how they were doing? And they say, can't complain. Whenever I hear those words, what runs through my head and unfortunately, often through my mouth, is, well, then surely you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> Some say the world is made up of people for whom the glass is half full or half empty. 
Kay can attest to this. In my world, the glass is half empty and there's a hole in the bottom. How I envy the psalmist whose cup runneth over. And yet that is exactly where God wants us to live, if not physically, spiritually. When I think back over my life, there have been moments that frankly were horrifically dark when I was more likely to curse God than thank God. The unnatural death of my mother when I was 20. Our miscarriage when I was in seminary. The ending of my first marriage after 25 years and three children. Chances are you all have had events in your lives that were of that magnitude and that painful. Moments when it was not just hard to give thanks, but hard to even believe that there was a God out there to receive it. But even in those dark moments, even when God felt very distant, Jesus found me. My life would cross paths with people who would show me that there wasn't just hope, but joy, love, and redemption. Even more striking and wonderful, I would find myself being that person God was using in someone else's life. No pain or sorrow or heartache I ever experienced was without redemption in serving to minister another human being in their darkest moment. Now you may think, well, Lane, of course, you're a minister. Well, I got news for you folks. If you're baptized in Christ, so are you. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Halfway through seminary, I took a three-year hiatus and went to Mount Pleasant, Michigan to Central Michigan State University to work in a campus ministry. We'd met this couple, Bill and Peggy, and they'd asked us to go there and work with them in the Navigators. I described the Navigators as kind of like Campus Crusade for Christ, only on steroids. <laughs> it wasn't very long after we arrived that Peggy began to have problems with her vision, bad headaches. And when the diagnosis came back, it was devastating. See, her eyes were paralyzed because she had muscular dystrophy. I mean, muscular sclerosis, MS. 
I responded to Bill's announcement. That's terrible. And Bill responded back to me, rebuking me gently. No, Lane, it's not terrible. It's hard, but it's not terrible. Peggy and Bill, we go on to have an incredible ministry to other people and to other couples who were struggling with this illness. Peggy would live for 40 years after that announcement, and she touched many, many lives with God's love and God's hope. In my second charge in the United Methodist Church, I met a woman who was in her late 40s, early 50s. She had a wonderful family, was loved and respected, and then her body was invaded by cancer. She fought it bravely, but eventually there was nothing more that could be done. Gradually, her body succumbed to the onslaught of the disease. I visited her often, especially in those last few months of her life. I tried my best to minister to her needs, but truth be told, it was she who ministered to me and to her husband and to her children and to her friends. If she ever despaired, she never showed it. Sometimes she needed morphine to hold the pain at bay. But even then, she exuded an undeniable sense of joy. She was grateful for every visit and every prayer. She felt sorrow, but it was more for her family than it was for herself. She made us all stronger by her witness and strength. You see... She knew something very special. That there is nothing in heaven or, or on earth that can separate us, not even cancer or death, from God's love. Every day, every interaction, every moment with those she loved was a reason for rejoicing, for giving thanks. And I believe if ever I knew anyone who fulfilled Paul's admonition to pray without ceasing. It was her. Two years ago, I had triple bypass surgery. I was really fortunate. I only had one attack of angina. There wasn't any heart damage. But it was a real shock. See, with 30 years of having annual physicals, <laughs> my blood work always came back great. 
there was no indication that I had heart disease. It is sobering to realize that you're going to be hooked up to a heart-lung machine and your heart stopped and operated on. Surgeon was straightforward. He said, man, he says, your chances are great. Still, this will probably be the most dangerous thing you ever do. I made it a point when they wheeled me into the operating room to ask for a moment before <clears throat> they knocked me out to tell everyone who was there how much I thank them for their gifts, their God-given talents, and their faithfulness. I said, I know this is just a typical day at the office for you all. <laughs> but I and almost everybody I know are in awe of your dedication and ability. Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite verses. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to God's purpose. These words can sound somewhat Pollyanna, taken out of context. It doesn't mean that we won't experience all the same heartache pain and sorrow common to all people. It doesn't mean that whatever we encounter in this, it does mean that whatever we encounter in this life, it will not be without meaning. Our God is all about reversal. Changing defeat into victory. Unmitigated sorrow into overwhelming joy. falling to temptation into redemption. And in the end, death into life. John Wesley's last words were, the best of all is, God is with us. Paul closes that passage of Romans this way, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death 
all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why we rejoice. This is why we pray. This is why we give thanks. It is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. This is where we experience that peace that surpasses all comprehension, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's good to be warm and clothed, fed and content. And for these things, we are thankful. But much, much more than that, and even when all those things are lacking, our lives have eternal meaning and purpose. Through our love, service, and generosity, we can be the blessing that becomes another's prayer of thanksgiving. And the best of all is nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.